Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. To everyone here and to all of you guys, um, I want to thank you for praying for me the last two weeks. I was on a study week last week, and just it was really, really rich and really good, and I'm working on some future series that I'll be starting here soon. So thank you guys, and uh, I have a really special treat for you today. Uh, my brother Tony was in town, and I asked him if he would minister this weekend, because if I were to minister, I would have ruined my study week, because you can't get ready for a service and study. It just doesn't work. So I just studied, and I'm excited. He it just did an incredible job. If you don't know Tony, Tony currently lives in Australia. He, uh, Him and his wife, Patsy, run a Bible school there, but they also pastor a church, and I'm excited to have him with us. And uh, can we give him a warm welcome, Borman, TCI Warren, as he comes forward to minister? Good morning. When I came in this morning uh, over on that side, uh, the man that greeted me, I've known him for 36 years. So it's like seeing people here that has been here. I I helped uh, in the early stages here at Believers. So there's some of you that I've known for 36 years. And and it's, it's awesome when you find a home and get planted, uh, and uh, so, and of course, I am home. I was born here. I worked here for a while, just right down the street, uh, Ween United. Does anyone here remember Ween United? So I used to work, work there years ago, and it's good to be home. Well, I have something for you, and I believe it's going to uh, make a difference for, of course, you personally, but also for this church. So I'm going to pray and we'll look into it. Father, I just thank you today that as uh, we look into your word, you help me to get it out clearly, Lord, and give you all the praise and glory uh, for everything that uh, comes out, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm calling this uh, anointed for a purpose, and you could substitute and say appointed for a purpose. You could say set aside or separated for a purpose, consecrated. You, you could call it all those things. Here's a scripture that we can look at. Exodus 25 and verse nine, it says, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show. So this is back in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is before Jesus and the New Testament is now after Jesus. The Old Testament is also called the Old Covenant and the New Testament is called the New Covenant. And the Bible says that we have a better covenant established on better promises. Are you glad about that? So this is before our covenant, and God wanted to do something here. He wanted to build a tabernacle. So they didn't have iPhones or iPads with real high pixels, you know, for taking photos back there. So this is like what an artist believed it would look like way back then, because, you know, they didn't have cameras back then. So when you think about God, He spoke the worlds into existence. You know, this universe and everything, he said, light, let there be light. And all the things, all powerful, all knowing, can do anything. But then he wants to build this tabernacle, which doesn't look nearly (laughs) as big and impressive as speaking the worlds into existence. But instead of speaking that into existence, he chose people to do the job. And so once really the worlds were spoken to, the world, you know, and the universe was spoken to existence, 
ever since that time, most of the things that God does, he does through people. So we are the instruments that God uses to get things done on the earth most of the time. So he chose to do this, and he chose Moses uh, to be over this, and then he also brought the other people together. Before we look into that, I want to just define the word sanctuary and tabernacle. So the Webster's Dictionary calls sanctuary a consecrated place, such as the ancient Hebrew temple at Jerusalem or its holy of holies. So that's uh, you know Webster's de definition of place, such as a church or temple for worship. And then the word tabernacle, that can be defined a house of worship, a tent sanctuary used by the Israelites during the Exodus. And then I like this one, my favorite, a dwelling place, a dwelling place. So when I think of tabernacle or sanctuary or temple, I think of a place where God's presence dwells. And we see that in Habakkuk 2.20, the way that it says it, but the Lord is in his holy temple. And so when, when God, of course, created man, you know, he breathed life into Adam. And so not only did he breathe his life into man, but then he would come in the cool of the day and he would walk with, you know, and, and visit. So when you think about it, uh, he was in, in man, but then he was also among man. So that's really been God's purpose is always to be with his creation. He loves us. And in this last song that we sang, you know, and if anybody's, if you're perfect here today, could you please raise your hand? I want to, and if you don't, if you're a little embarrassed to raise your hand, please come and tell me after the service, hey, I'm perfect. But I don't think that anyone's going to come and see me after the service and say that. So, you know, this last song that we sang really was really clear that, you know, thank God that he's loved us through it all. And so even though uh, because of all of our imperfections, God wants to be with us. He wants to be in us and amongst us. And so we also look at Exodus 25 and verse 8. That says, Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. I like the way that that says it. So after Adam and Eve made their mistake, what you would say that, you know, it's, he said, if you eat of this fruit, you shall die. Well, they didn't die physically, so that meant that they died spiritually. And then once spiritual death came, that's why physical death happened, because if they didn't disobey God and they didn't die spiritually, they would still be alive today, because when God created man, he didn't create them to die, but sin came into the world, and then because of sin, death came. And, and so then they no longer were with the presence of God. God, he wasn't with them any longer. So what happens here then is God wants to build the sanctuary so he can live, get closer to them. He, he, he couldn't get on the inside, but at least he could dwell among them. That's what we see here, the presence of God dwelling among them. So it kind of illustrates his original plan when we read this, where he wants to be with his creation. All right, so uh, that said, it just uh, helps us to get, help me uh, introduce what we were going to look at today, which is simply God. We want to look at God, the designer and orchestrator. So God designs and he orchestrates. And then we want to look at man, the achiever, because once he designs and orchestrates something, it's really man. He uses us to get the job done, men and women. 
And then we want to look at that back here in the Old Testament, but we also want to carry it over and look at it into the church. So that's basically what we're going to look into today. So let's first of all talk about God and how he designs. So in Exodus 25 and verse 9, he says, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern that I show you. So he designed something here, and then he's saying with this design, I want you to do it really accurately. So as I said, I, I worked down the street, uh, and then a short time, my brother Joe and I, your Pastor Joe, we worked together in a small machine shop on North River Road. So we did some machinist work together when we were uh, younger. But then I also worked before that at Wien United, and I got trained there and I became a machinist. Well, sometimes Wien United, they got work from Boeing, you know, Boeing, the airline company. And, you know, when you're making stuff for airlines, it has to be exactly to the T. You know, when it says, it, it, you know, I, I don't, it's like 0 0.001 tolerance, you know, when you're making uh, parts, machine parts. And if we made a mistake uh, and it got sent back, we got a warning. But if we made three mistakes, we got suspended. I mean, it was like pretty, in a sense, high pressure work. You had to make things right on. So I, I never, praise the Lord, I never got suspended. Uh, but but my point is, you know, if you don't want the airplanes to crash, you gotta, you have to make those things really well. And so here God is saying, I want you to make this thing, and I want you to do it exactly like I say. Uh, and so then he had these different pieces to put in there, like the Ark of the Covenant, the Mercy Seat, the Holy Place, the Tabernacle of Showbread, the golden lampstand. These are all pieces that were gonna go in there. So he designed all of that. He's the great designer, okay? And then once he designed it, then he began to orchestrate and get and, and pull all the necessary people together to accomplish it. And so you start seeing that, uh, we, we could say he orchestrated all that. Exodus 31 and verse six, it says, and behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahed, whatever that word is. Uh, you know, my excuse for that, my pronunciation, my excuse concerning pronuncia pronunciations is that I lived in Italy and I learned another language and it get it kind of, that's my excuse. Because like, as an example, I in our, our language, I, it's actually an E, you know, and you pronounce that different. A is ah, and E is A, you know, and all these things. So that's my excuse. I've been using it now ever since I was in Italy. My wife keeps a journal of all the things I mispronounce. Every so often she pulls it out and reads it to people. And also all the when I say a wrong word, she keeps a journal on all the wrong words that I say also. Okay. So Exodus 35, and look at this one, Exodus 35 and verse 34. It says, he hasn't, uh, oh wait, I missed 30, uh, 31.6. Let's go back there and, and finish that up. I have appointed with him, those two guys. And then it says, I have given him, I have given to all able men ability. So notice he designs the temple and then he orchestrates and he starts bringing people together. So he has these two main guys and then he brings everyone else. But he, he said, I have given to all able men ability. 
I, I like that because that means like sitting here today, if you're a Christian and, and Boardman and, and the Correctional Center, all Christians he has given, you would be considered able and you would be considered having ability. So, um, you know, sometimes we work with our hands like buildings and cleaning and all the stuff that needs to be done in church. It's not just all mouth, it's hands and work. And so we have some guys in our church and they're retired and they're a little uh, more up in age. And we might have a weekend where we're going to do like clean. We do special work in our yard and, you know, clean, like do some deep cleaning in the church, you know, like baseboards and all that kind of stuff. And we get together and some of the older guys will tell me, listen, you know, I can't do any heavy lifting any longer. Uh, My body's just not working. But here's what they say. They said, but you know what? I can pray. And they say, like, I pray for you, pastor. I pray for the church. I pray for our city. I pray for all the people that are serving. So what does that say? That they still understand that they're able. They're able, and they can still give a supply out. So what, what I'm really wanting to give you guys this weekend is that everybody's able, and you all have a supply. Now, it's great when you put your hand to do something uh, here, on a Sunday or during the week, whenever. But it's also important to know it's your home when you're washing dishes, running the sweeper, uh, or in the morning, you can always use your heart and your mouth and pray. That's a supply. And so you can pray for the city, for revival. You know, you can pray for the church, the leaders, the pastors, everyone uh, at the church. You can always do that. It's a supply. So I like the way it says, I have given to all able men ability. And then Exodus 35 and verse 34, it says, and he has inspired him to teach. So Aholiab and Baziel, those two guys, I heard that. Somebody laughed over there with my pronunciation. Okay, so he's got got these two guys, you know, and so the design and everything he designed, he put it into their heart, you know, and so they're now going to get what he put into their heart out. And so even like when I, when I think what happened today, like this is the third service last night and this morning when my brother, Pastor Joe, stands here and he says a couple simple words that we exist to connect the city to God. You know, in a sense, in the New Testament, that's like a purpose, a design. It sounds like really simple, but really think it's powerful. Jesus Christ died for everyone in this area. And so this uh, this purpose in this local church exists to connect the city to God. There's purpose there. Uh, so even though it's only a few words and it sounds simple, there's a lot of weight there. And so you, you see that here that, that God, will, when he designs something, he drops it into a, a leader's heart, but then you get that out. So what he did here is he said, I'm going to do this uh, sanctuary, this tabernacle, and I'm putting it into these two guys' hearts all the specifications, and then they're going to get it out to all the other ones that are uh, going to get the job done. So the little things that come into your heart, little things to pray, uh, little things to do, every single thing's important. And we'll see that later on. But here's another uh, Exodus uh, uh, scripture, Exodus 36 and verse 1. It says, Baziel and Aholiab. That came out right there, right? And every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary 
shall work in accordance with all the Lord has commanded. So you see how God just puts things in people's hearts and he, he orchestrates and he designs things and brings people together to get a job done. And then Exodus 36 and verse two, it says, and Moses called Baziel and Aholiab, that's two times in a row I said those, all right? And every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, I like that, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. So, you know, like even the way the Lord will stir our heart up. Uh, some, sometimes I get around some people and all of a sudden you, you just feel on the inside that you need to say something to them about Jesus. All, all, you know, we are the church and everywhere we go, that's who we are. And so I, I don't take it lightly if I'm around someone and I, sometimes the Lord just gives me this little phrase that might open the door to talk about Jesus. All that stuff's important because that's why we exist. Um, then Exodus 38, verse 23, it says, with him was Aholiab, the son of, I'm not going that far. I mean, I'm, I've gotten warmed up, but I'm not that warmed up. The son of this other guy of the tribe of Dan. And then I like this, an engraver and designer and embroiderer. Is that how you say that word, embroiderer? Okay, close enough. <laughs> We used to say at the machine shop, close enough for government work, except you could get fired over that. Um, but anyway, um, I, I like the way that it says engraver, designer, and, and embroiderer, because what it, it's like really inclusive, like every single supply is important. And, and, you know, and I think of it like when, when we walk into the church, our church in Brisbane, somebody comes on Saturday, you know, and they clean, they volunteer, and they go through the whole church and clean it. And I don't take that lightly because when we have somebody visit on a Sunday morning, first time visitor, and they come into a clean building, that, that's, that's important. You know, everything, every single thing's important. So just to summarize what we said so far, uh, God designed the tabernacle, God called and appointed the laborers, God gave ability to the laborers, he put skill and intelligence in their hearts to do the specific work required, he also stirred their hearts. He inspired primary laborers to teach others. That's, what, that's so, in a nutshell, that's what we've said so far. So if we put that into one sentence, we could say it this way. The people achieved or performed what God designed and orchestrated. So, so that's where we are so far. You see that God, he is the designer and he's the orchestrator. And then you see he calls and orchestrates and gets people together to achieve his purposes. So with that said now, let's move and go into the New Covenant, the New Testament, and look at Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. And this is starting off, it says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not propel against it. So here we're moving into the New Covenant, and we see the word church. First time probably it was used ever in the history of mankind, the word church, okay? So he said, I'm gonna build my church. And, then, and he said, I tell you, you're Peter and on this rock. So even a side thought there, if you look in the Greek language, you'll see the word Peter there. The Greek word means stone, but then there, you have the other word, it's a different Greek word and it's like rock. So you know, you have little stones and then you have rocks. So he wasn't saying that the church was gonna be built on a little stone like Peter or a man. He's saying the church is gonna be built on a rock which is revelation knowledge, uh, who Christ is. Because if you look at the, the verses before, 
uh, he's asking all these people, who do you say that I am? And they're all getting it wrong. But Peter, uh, he got it right. He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my father who is in heaven revealed that to you. And then he says, you're Peter, but on this rock, you're a stone, but on this rock, revelation knowledge, I'm gonna build my church. So that's what the church is built on, who Christ is, what Christ has done, who we are in Christ, that revelation knowledge is what we're built on. So uh, in the Old Testament now, that, that was all done with stone, mortar, materials made like with hands, human hands. That's what the, the, you know, the tabernacle or temple was made out of. Now in the New Testament, it's not that way. It's made out of different material. So even though we meet in a church building and we have like these buildings, here's what the Bible says about the church uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.1. It says, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So remember there that we saw in the Old Testament, it had the word tent. Now we see that the Bible's calling our bodies a tent. And so it's saying our earthly house, this tent, if it would be destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands. So, so, so this, what we're talking about, the church, even though we have buildings and hands built the buildings, we meet inside the building, but we are the church. And then Hebrews 9:11 it says, but Christ came as a high priest of good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. So the Bible says that the new, the new covenant is a better covenant established on better promises, but it not only says that, it says also that this tabernacle, it is a more perfect tabernacle not made with hands and it's not of this creation. So the Bible actually says, if you're a Christian, the Bible says you're a new creature in Christ. So when we talk about the church and this tabernacle, it never existed before. We're new creatures in Christ. That's what it's saying. So it goes on further to say in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively that's all together and also individually. I love that. So when you walk out of here as an individual, you are God's temple and you're the church. But when we come together collectively, we're God's temple and we're also the church. And so it's like bringing all of our supplies together when we meet together. And, and your supply, you know, really matters. Even in a congregate, you know, when, when, when everyone comes together, because we're all individually the church, you're bringing, you know, the presence of God with you in you. And even when we worship together, all of our supplies even make a difference when we worship together. Uh, it, it's, it's, it creates more depth or it, it's just, it's, we're, we all have something. So we could say this in the Old Testament, it was made of earthly material by human hands. The design included material objects made and placed by human hands. God called and gifted the human workers. That's what we saw in the Old Testament. 
in the New Testament, this tabernacle, it's made of heavenly material. God designed the plan before the foundations of the earth. So God knew that Adam and Eve would make a wrong choice. You do know if Adam and Eve didn't sin, we wouldn't have the church. We wouldn't need the church. But God knew that Adam and Eve would fall. And before the Bible says before the foundation of the world, he was going to send his son to redeem man. Jesus showed up and he says that he's gonna build his church. So think about this. We're, it's, I mean, we're so ordained of God. The church is so ordained of God. I, I lived so far on four different continents, America being one of the continents, but I've lived on three other continents. And from those continents that we've lived on, we've traveled to other nations from those continents that are in the area. So I have heard, I've watched the news uh, and I've heard how they report news and how they talk about America from other countries. I've talked to people in other nations and they've told me what their view of America was. And one thing that really runs in common is that, uh, that everyone realizes that this is a great country and uh, that there's a, like the Fortune 500 companies, there's all, all these Fortune 500 big companies and they're like the backbone. See, people from outside in other nations, they would love to have all the corporations that are here. It's like the backbone, the, the corporations employ so many people. And so they're, they're seen outside of America as being important. And, and many other countries would love to have those corporations. But as important as they are for the economy and to keep people working and everything that they do, there is another institution, and if you want to call it corporation, called the church. It's worldwide, it has more people, and it's way more important than any other institution. We are so number one, the church. We're, we're the most important thing on the earth. There's nothing else more important than the church. We could say this about the church. The church is the hope of the world, and those that decide to get planted and serve in the church, they would be the hope of the church, the leadership. The church is the hope of the world, and all those that are planted and lead in the church, they're the hope of the church. That's why we are here. And so as the time gets closer for Jesus to come back, the church gets more important because the, time, the days get shorter. There's less days, and there's people that could go to hell, and that's why we exist. So we could say this, like the, again, we'll say it. The New Testament tab, made of, tabernacles made of heavenly material. God designed the plan before the foundations of the earth. His son Jesus did all the work. That's the cool thing, you know, like I, I, I did some building at times. You know, you, sometimes depending on what you're building, you have to do the foundation first. So, I mean, I, sometimes I've dug ditches, you know, and then you put the concrete in and then you put the, the slab, I can't remember what you called it, and, and then you build on it. You know, so, you know, when they built that tabernacle, we saw that they had to do some foundational work first, and then they did all the other work. When it comes to the church, Jesus did all the work, and all we do is receive him. It's pretty awesome. He did all the work. And then we're the tabernacles now, and his presence is divinely imparted to us. It's pretty awesome when you think about who we are. It's just, it's, it's just more than an obligation to show up because it's, it means it's like the creator of the universe, the living God is on the inside of us. 
and he dwells with us and his presence come, comes on us. There's a lot of depth there. There's a lot of substance there. We, we exist for a great purpose. Uh, so here's some scriptures that uh, we want to look at in, in Acts chapter 14 and verse 27. Uh, and just, it just shows there's so many of them that say the same thing. So Acts 14, 27, it says, when they arrived and gathered the church together. So, you know, we're individually the church, but I, I think these scriptures are amazing how many of them there are. They showed up and they gathered the church together. 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. first of all, when you come together as a church. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty. therefore, when you come together in one place. 1 Corinthians 14, 23, therefore, if the whole church comes together, in one place. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together? So there's so much about that. Look at Hebrews 10, 25. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing nigh. So, so God designed us individually, but he also designed us corporately. So we, we leave this place and take him with us, and we can share him anywhere we go, but then we come together in this place, and not only is he in us when we're together, but he also, his presence comes upon us. So he's in us, and he's on us. But then there's also, some, you know, just a few more scriptures. When we come together, he gave Peter some pretty clear uh, instruction on the main thing to do when you come together. There's a lot of things. Everything's important. But uh, John 21 and verse 15, he says, do you love me more than these feed my lambs? Then the next verse, he said, tend my sheep. Then the next verse, he said, feed my sheep. So what you, what you really see there is, of course, the Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So God did this thing where he designed his church and then he made it possible to get back on the inside of us so he's in us but then he also says come together and when you come together he said if you love me peter you will feed my sheep you'll take care of so revelation knowledge the church is built on that and so we we could say by coming together here's some of the benefits it, it's an environment for heartfelt worship an atmosphere for the presence of god and so I know every time that I go to church, it makes me love, I just love the house, as you want to call church the house. I love it. I, I love when I stand there and worship God and I sense his presence. It's been 41 years, you know. For, I've been saved for 41 years. I, 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 don't regret, I don't regret one day or hour of being saved. Uh, and and I, I know everyone's different. I never ever... I made plenty of mistakes, but I never wanted to walk away from the Lord. Once he gets on the inside, never wanted to walk away from him. Uh, and, and, and I never do. <laughs> Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for his presence. You know, so um, just love to be in the presence of God. It just, uh, I can understand all those Old Testament scriptures that talk about his house and his presence. So then when you come together, there's clear Bible-based teaching. Uh, there's giftings that are developed. There's loving relationships that are formed. There's so many benefits when we come together. So just a couple sentences to put this in more of a nutshell. 
the building and materials during the church age are not physical, but spiritual. And also, spiritual growth and transformation in the lives of people is how we build, is how the church is built. So, so uh, we should never take that lightly, that spiritual growth is actually when, when people are built, the church is built. When we are built, it establishes us and causes us to be stable. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. So here's one last scripture, and we'll pray. Ephesians 4 and verse 16, it says, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying. And that, if you're not familiar with that word, it means the building up, the building up of itself in love. So the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself and love. Father, I pray for each person that's here today. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, uh, that everyone has a supply. I thank you for the church of the living God the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we acknowledge that we are very important in these last days, that the church is the hope of the world. So Father, I pray that each person here would really recognize the importance of their supply, that they would uh, open up their hearts and be willing to put their hand to the plow, that they wouldn't just live for themselves, but they would live for you. I just pray that, Father God. And Lord, in the event that there is anyone in this room today, and they do not know Jesus Christ is their Lord, I pray for them, Lord. Uh, anyone in Boardman at that campus, anyone at the Correctional Center. Father, I pray for anyone listening to this, if Jesus Christ isn't their Lord, Thank you for speaking to their hearts according to your word that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can get to the Father except through him. That people would know that there isn't any way to, to heaven. There isn't any other way to God except through Jesus Christ. Thank you for making that really clear. And also, Lord, thank you that you make it clear that your word says that if you believe in your heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you would be saved. Thank you for speaking to people and making that really clear. I'd like to lead you in a prayer. If you're with us here or in another location and give you an opportunity to pray and accept Jesus as your Lord. So let's all pray this together. And I like to close my eyes when I pray so I can really concentrate and pray for my heart. So it's really important to pray from your heart. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you came for me, you died for me, shed your blood for me, and you were raised from the dead for me. I declare, Jesus was raised from the dead. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord. Thank you that you first loved me because of that love toward me, 
I can now love you. Jesus, you're now my Lord. Praise God. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.